We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman, who works for the Sacramento Bee. And we have a 49ers loss to talk about. Pretty bad one. 1910 to the Bears in Chicago. Let's dive in. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Because I don't feel like if we're diving into this 19 to 10 loss in Chicago, I don't feel like Trey Lance is the headline reason they lost, but it feels like we should talk about Trey Lance first. Does that make sense? Sure. We I think can. penalties are the reason they lost. If, so, I'm, if I'm writing things in order, penalties are at the top. So uh, I'm with you on that. I, I just so, like broad picture real quick yeah if you would have told me leading into this game that the niners would outgain the bears 331 to 204 they would be eight of 17 on third down which is pretty good they were hovering Mm -hmm. around 50 percent for most of the game and we said on the preview pod last week that like 50 percent on third down should be enough to win the game Mm -hmm. both those factors you would be like yeah they're gonna win the game yeah like they ran the ball 37 times an average 4.8 yards a carry. Like they had 106 rushing yards, 176 rushing yards, excuse me. These are all things that typically indicate you're going to win the football game. But it was the 12 penalties for 99 yards. It was Debo Samuel's fumble in the red zone. It was Trey Lance's miss of Tyler Croft. It was the sack that took the 49ers out of field goal range in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the third down penalties that kept the Bears touchdown drives alive. Um, it was yeah. completely missing Dante Pettis um on that 51 yard touchdown in, in the third quarter. Like there were a whole slew of factors why they lost this game. I do think Trey Lance probably could have played better, but honestly, that's about what I expected, right? Like, yeah, it's gonna be 
a roller coaster and he's going to have really good plays like the deep throw to Jawan Jennings and some of the third down throws that he had um, were pretty good, but he's also going to have some misses and it didn't help that it was raining and super sloppy out there. Um, So, you know, I I would put like 90% of this on the defense if we're just, or like the defense and the penalties, just not playing fundamentally intelligent football. Um, I did think some of the calls were questionable, but we're not going to do the, we're not going to use officiating as an right. excuse. No. Um, so yeah, Trey Lance deserves some blame. He's a quarterback. He could have played better, but if we're divvying, divvying out the blame pie, I'm giving the vast majority of it to the dumb mistakes that they played. Yeah, they I, I, I totally agree. And the nine penalties is obviously really bad, but the two that extended touchdown drives on third down, they got off the field and committed penalties on those third downs, especially the Dre Greenlaw face mask, where he comes in late. No, no reason to even like David Montgomery was stopped. He was, he was, he was, he was stopped and Greenlaw flies in late and grabs him by the face mask. Like that's just an, you can't, that's not a physical mistake where it's like, ah, you know, being aggressive. That's fine. That was dumb. That was dumb. Like that's a silly, dumb is probably strong. It's a silly mistake. And I don't care. Like, the NFL, there's too much parity. You can't just throw your jersey on the field and and go win through mistakes like that. Yeah, and the first half, I thought, looked exactly like we expected it to look. Like, the 49ers were dominating the game in just about every facet except the scoreboard. And then, as typically happens in the NFL, if you let a lesser team hang around, then sometimes they're going to come back. And that's that's what happened and yeah, it was exacerbated by the penalties. I thought mm-hmm. I thought the holding call on Charvarius Ward on third down was pretty weak, particularly in contrast to I think it was the very next play. It was a it was a run, I think it went for eleven or twelve yards, where Samson Ebucam was clearly getting held much much worse than Charvarius Ward held Dante Pettis on that previous play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the personal foul where where Greenlaw kind of like fell over Justin Fields as he slid near the sideline there, I thought was a pretty soft call. Um, Brandon Ayuk's push off, which also negated a third down that conversion. Was wild. That was that was a pretty soft call. Like it was, you know, it was funny. The broadcast they were talking about early in the game, like, yeah, they're letting them play. And then the second half, it was like, nope, not not really letting them play they're anymore. Calling it tight week one. <laughs> yeah. The offensive, the offensive PI. And again, it, it, I mean, by letter of the law, it probably was. So I don't want to get into the like, you know, I will. I'm not the kind of like if you're here on this podcast to hear us blame officials, like it's just not not yeah. not our bag. But that was the wildest push off call I've ever seen. Yeah, he gained the separation and just put his arm out and it happened to touch the defender. And they're like, ah, P.I. yeah, if that's how they're going to call it, like. If that's how they're going to call it this year, if they're like trying to give some advantage back to the defense, it's going to be a long year. It's right. going to be a really, really long. Yeah. But, and so, you but, know, you you miss Tyler Croft on that play. And I'm like, we've seen we've seen that route run a ton in Kyle Shanahan's offense. And I think generally that route is more to where the receiver is closer to the sideline and he's looking over his right shoulder. Sure. Croft was like running and turned over his left shoulder. I'm not trying to absolve Trey Lance because it obviously wasn't a good throw, but I do think 
there might have been a mix-up there in terms of the, sure. the angle that Croft was supposed to have. And part of that, too, is that the Niners' offense is dramatically different without George Kittle. Yeah. Right? Like Big time. George Kittle was a noticeable absence, obviously, like he was early last season when he missed time, like he was in 2020 when he missed a substantial amount of time. So that's problematic. And then the running game really stopped working once Elijah Mitchell left. Mm-hmm. And that's concerning for a few different reasons. Like they have to be able to run the ball no matter what running back they have in there because the offense totally. is going to sputter like it did today if they cannot run the ball because so much of what they do is predicated on their ability to stay ahead of the sticks. And then well, you rely on Debo Samuel having to run the ball a lot, which is fine, but we're at the point where Debo, where defenses are like, Oh, Debo's in the backfield. There's a 90% chance he's getting the ball here. And if he's not, then how is he part of the play? And are you negating the weapon you have in Debo Samuel? If you're not giving him the ball when he is in the backfield, it's kind of a, a tricky situation. Well, and they drafted a running back in the third round who is right. a healthy scratch. That's insane. They've That's drafted, insane. They've drafted two running backs in the third round the last two years, neither of whom contributed today. <laughs> right. That's like that's uh, that's why when we talk about process in the draft, like maybe Terry Davis Price is going to be fine, but if you're picking a running back in the third round and he can't be active on game day, where Elijah Mitchell goes down and your run game stops, why the hell are you picking that player? That doesn't make any sense. So that's that's where the 49ers process is a little messed up, and they keep. Jordan Mason active because he can contribute on special teams like fine, but he got no touches while Jeff Wilson was ineffective. He was nine for 22 yards. Jeff Wilson wasn't good today. And I guess, you know, by the time things got away from the 49ers pretty quick there and they had to, they had to, they had to start throwing it in the second half. So they couldn't lean a ton on their run game, but it can't, when you back to back years, take a running back in the third round and you're, sixth round pick your 2021 sixth round pick goes down and you have nothing that's bad that's really really bad but i guess that kind of leads us to to lance who finished the game 13 of 28 164 yards no touchdowns he threw a pick um a pick that to me was kind of the 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 backbreaker and i watched the all 22 to see just where Eddie Jackson was when he threw that. Kyle Shanahan didn't seem too bothered by the pick, said Jackson made a great play, but I'm not sure the throw is going to be complete anyway. Um, I thought there was some good and some bad from Lance, and we kind of talked about this on the on the pod before, but this is what they're going to get from Trey Lance right now, and this is probably what the first several weeks are going to look like, where you get that throw down the sideline to Jennings, you get the... QB draw on third and 13 for a first down. The Niners went back to back plays. And this is where I thought like, oh man, this might, they might, they might roll is they go triple option mm-hmm. with the, the fake to Debo. And then Lance keeps it right with Mitchell and he tosses to Mitchell and that play worked. And then on the next play, he made this really nice layered throw to Ray Ray McLeod far sideline a second level over the linebacker in front of the safety. And it's like, man, if they have those two plays in their bag, this is going to be a really tough offense to stop. But the issue with Lance is that those throws aren't consistent. And then you factor in the rain down the stretch and the bears weren't as impacted by it because they were running the clock out and the 49ers 
I mean, you have a quarterback that already deals with some accuracy issues and then you give him a sopping wet ball. Like it's just not going to go well. And that's where you see the, the, the 13 for 28. Trey Lance was two for eight in his targets to Debo Samuel. Oof. And a few of those were bubble screens. One, it looked like the ball just completely slipped out of his hands because it was wet. Yeah. Um, but that just has to be better, right? Debo Samuel's an all pro receiver. He had 1400 receiving yards last year on top of everything he does in the running game, like two for eight for 14 yards is not good enough. And you nope. need to, you need, especially with George Kittle out, you need to have Debo Samuel as a downfield threat. And it seemed like Juwan Jennings, uh, Ray, Ray McLeod and even, and Brandon, Ayuk obviously were more of those downfield options throughout the game. Like that was part of the game plan. But part of not having George Kittle in the lineup means and obviously losing Elijah Mitchell, if you don't have enough faith in Jeff Wilson Jr., part of that means you're taking Debo Samuel away from being a target down the field. And the 49ers, if they're not going to have all of their guys, they need Debo Samuel to be more than just a running back who a, a running back and like a bubble screen specialist. Right. Right. And there wasn't right, a whole impact the game in the second and third levels. Yeah, absolutely. And so that that was problematic. Um, and look, the, the chemistry with those guys has always been a question in my mind. Like that's mm-hmm. just ever since the offseason has, you know, went the way it did with Brandon Ayuk and Trey Lance living together in L.A. while they worked out. And Debo Samuel doing his thing wherever he was doing it, like that was a significant concern um because chemistry does matter and like there i just there never seemed like there was chemistry between debo and and lance in the practices that i saw this summer i wasn't every every single one but um you never really got the feeling and even reading the reports that it was like oh yeah trey lance and debo samuel they're cooking they're on the same page it was always trey lance and brandon Ayuk have great chemistry but the debo samuel stuff never really came and i think that manifested today yeah, it absolutely did. And in in games like this where you're up against it a little bit, they talked about it a lot last year, especially when they started to kind of get rolling in the second half. Your A players have to play like A players. And part of that is on Lance, but I I don't have a lot to add. They they need more from Debo Samuel. I'm not trying to place blame whether it's it's on Samuel or the play calling or or whatever it is, but um I'm looking at the 13 for 28 and that's that's a that's one of those ones where the the stat line is a little misleading especially when you look at some of the throws late in the game right. where they're up against it the ball is wet but that said it's not like it went from you know it's not like it went from from 12 of 17 to to 13 of 28 like he was he he definitely struggled a little bit I still think that throw to Croft well, you might be right about the route. Like you, you still got to connect on that. Like that, that's a guy that got wide open, and there were there were a couple times where it felt like he missed open receivers. But he also made a couple of really nice throws. There was a third down conversion to Juwan Jennings on an in breaking route. He had the thirty one yard completion to Brandon Ayuk on a on an in breaking route. If he can hit those throws a little more consistently, I think we'll see this Niners offense start to cook a little bit. But if he's gonna if he's gonna miss on some of the throws he missed on today they're going to continue to struggle. Yeah, the, he was 8 of 14 through 3 quarters. Yeah. And then like, and then the, the fourth quarter was just kind of a deluge like you know, I, as much as like 
a loss is obviously impactful, particularly in a game that you're supposed to be favored by. Mm-hmm. I don't really have too many long-term concerns coming out of this game. Me neither. Right? Like, I don't, I don't feel dramatically different about the way I feel about the team. Like, my opinion's largely the same because of the things they did do well, like outgaining the 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 Bears three thirty one to two hundred four, mm-hmm. being eight of seventeen on third down, actually having pretty decent rushing numbers, and a lot of that was because Trey Lance led the team in rushing. Yeah, but and it wasn't a lot of designed runs either. Yeah, there were like, a handful, but it was a lot of and it, what we talked about turning negative plays into positive ones. And even the designed ones were efficient because it was like, you know, making a long yardage situation more manageable. It would be like a Trey Lance saw something in a pre-snap look and ripped off, you know, six, seven yards in a run. And instead of third and long, you have third and four. Yeah. Right. Like that, that happened a few times in the game. It felt like, Um, but yeah, I mean, the penalties, the weather, I think it was a good wake up call for them to have because I think there probably is an, an element of of overconfidence potentially mm-hmm. um knowing how good they are um I think that manifested a little bit but I mean the penalties on defense just were were back backbreakers for them yeah absolutely. and like when you're when you can point to you know the two touchdown drives you could basically mm-hmm. wipe those out if you just yeah. clean up those penalties and if Debo Samuel doesn't fumble in the red zone, we're talking about potentially three scores the other way. Yeah. In a game they lost by nine. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what, that's what it comes down to. They got off the field on third downs, but the drives were extended by penalties. Like that's killer. You, and those, you, you can't have that. Those are fixable mistakes because it was never like, Oh, the Niners are less talented than the bears. The Niners don't have enough talent at this spot. I mean, I, I guess you can make the case that at running back after losing Mitchell, it, it felt that way, and certainly at tight end. Um, but, you know, like, Tyler Croft just can't be the guy. No juice. <laughs> just cannot be the guy no. that that you're, you're throwing that to. And, like, well, obviously and- that wasn't the plan because your plan is to have George Kittle, but George Kittle has to get healthy because the offense looks dramatically different when he is. And I think that's why Kittle sat today because – they think he'll be healthy for week two and moving forward and didn't want to risk something long-term Sure, here in week one, which makes sense. The Bears had five first downs via penalty. They had 15 first downs total. A third of their first downs can be a penalty. That's wild. That's nuts. Six first downs via the rush, four via the pass, five via penalty. Yeah. You, you just, you can't. I mean, you, you cannot have that. That's brutal. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And one so, thing, too, I like. I guess the, the big concern I would have coming out of this game that just popped into my head is, you know, we talk about the running game and how important the offense is to or how important the running game is to the offense. You have to worry about playing from behind, I think. I com- I was going to bring this up. Yeah, like because, you know, when you can dictate terms of the game, by like, okay, we're up a touchdown and we're going to run the ball a lot and we're going to play the field position game. Like, that's all fine when your defense is playing well and, and all of that. But when a team inevitably makes a run, which happens basically every game in the NFL, your offense is going to have to pick up the slack if you're a yep. Super Bowl team you're going to have to be able to play from behind at certain points. And maybe it was circumstances, um, but, you know, with the weather and everything like that. But, like, that's that's probably the most substantial concern I would have going forward. Like, can Trey Lance play from behind? Like, perfect example, you're down two scores midway through the fourth quarter, and the weather being what it was made it so... I didn't have any confidence that the Niners were going to come back, but like mm-hmm. in a normal situation, the four, like you have to score a touchdown. You have to put yourself in position to be able to tie or, or take the lead at the end mm-hmm. of these games, obviously. And right now, I think that's probably the biggest question mark facing the 49ers is if they're down late in the fourth quarter, can they play from behind? Yeah. So a and- lot of the best quarterbacks can't, right? Like you're, yep. it's always like you can't leave Patrick Mahomes too much time, like 45 seconds and down by four. Yep. You know, like that's that's always a big concern now. Yeah, I liked there were there were a couple times where Lance did a really nice job when the pocket was collapsing of keeping his eyes down the field, stepping up and making a throw. There was a third down completion to Ross Dwelly where he did a really nice job of that. But it felt like there were too many times where he started to throw and then may I don't know if he got fooled by the coverage or or just didn't trust what he was seeing or if it was the ball or whatever it was. But I mean you're a starting quarterback in the NFL. You don't you don't get a ton of excuses. Right. You just you have to it has to be better. And if you get to the top of your drop and you start to let it rip and then stop, there's not a lot of offensive lines that are going to hold up beyond that. So, I thought the offensive line for the most part today there were a couple times where it was like, "Oh, that wasn't great." But I I thought they were okay, but to your point, we've said this about the 49ers kind of throughout the Shanahan era. And this is a little bit why they moved off of Jimmy Garoppolo. It's like, man, they're just not built to play from behind. Well, Trey Lance is supposed to give him that element. And maybe it's not going to happen in week one. Maybe it's not going to happen in week four. But eventually, like, that needs to be the case. Yeah, and it's not something that we've talked about a lot. But, like, it has been mentioned elsewhere. Trey Lance didn't have, like, two-minute drives in college. That was just not something that happened at North Dakota State. Yeah. So that's a learning process. And that's not... That doesn't come in an off season that comes by playing football. Yep. Um, so, and he got, I thought, I thought today was a good lesson in that where they're down nine points and they get the ball with like seven minutes left and took their time and looked like a team that was trying to burn clock to get the last score. Not a team that was down nine and needed two scores. Yeah. And I don't know if that was an effect of the weather. I don't know if that was an, an experience thing from Lance or what, but, I, I just I think to your point that that was a good lesson in that 
today. Just urgency. Right. And look, sometimes weather is like a real factor. Like, you know, the Niners finished seventh in, in total offense last season and just couldn't move the ball in that monsoon game against the Colts. Yeah. Right. And even in 2019, yeah. when the Niners had the fourth ranked offense, second in scoring, they scored nine points in Washington in a game that was basically like what the fourth quarter was throughout the entire game. Right. So like sometimes rain is a really big factor in these situations. I'm not using it as an excuse because the 49ers absolutely shot themselves in the foot yeah. a bunch of different ways. But like I'm not making any sweeping generalizations about the offense just because the circumstances are what they are. So I, I the one thing that does concern me a little bit was the lack of creativity in the run game and the lack of success in the run game when Elijah Mitchell went down. That yeah. does concern me because I, mean, I think it was Football Outsiders did a ranking of every team's top position group before the year, and they had the Niners running backs listed number one on their team on a team with as good of a defensive line and linebacking group that they that they have. That was kind of kind of crazy to me. They said the the running backs were the best position group the Niners had. Yes, and that did not bear itself out <laughs> and, on that on Sunday. Never would have agreed so that, with that. Why? Well, that's, that's a very weird take to have. Pretty wild. Pretty wild. So. I actually wrote about how that I didn't think that was the case. Ninerswire.com. But tons of post game stuff up there now. But I think that ultimately the penalties have to be better. And with Trey Lance, just specifically, A, the calls for Jimmy Garoppolo are insane. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is the answer in this game. But I think the game would have probably went very similar, if not worse, for the offense of Jimmy Garoppolo been in there. Uh maybe. Depending, I mean, the game plan might have been different. Who knows? I mean, it's it's Trey Lance extended a lot of drives with his yeah. legs. There were just there was never there was never a point when I was watching where I went like ooh like that. Maybe the throw to Croft like that might be one that Garoppolo hits. But how there many times a... have we seen Jimmy miss that exact throw though? A lot. You're right. He missed it to Brandon Ayuk in the in the Dallas game, and but... he missed it in the Tennessee game to Kyle Uzcheck. I feel like he got intercepted in the Seattle game trying to make that throw last year. Maybe. But I just that that wasn't that wasn't where my my head went first. Like, j- no. d- let me let me to give a hard take on this. Trey Lance has to get better. What Trey Lance did today isn't going to be good enough down the road here. But for week one, I thought it was fine with a good sometimes was a bad sometimes. But that's like the Niners knew what they were getting into with this. Yeah. They knew there was going to be the ups and downs. And. If would you say he was eight of 14 going into the fourth quarter? Yeah. If they don't have those penalties on defense and they're able to play from ahead and let's say they win 10, seven and Lance's nine of 15. I think we're just going like, yeah, it's pretty good. It's decent. But when you put a, an experienced quarterback in a spot where he has to bring the team back, like I did not, if you told me the exact scenario the Niners were in, I wouldn't have felt great about it. The, the I think he, he you have to feel good about that move it like he has to get good, good enough by mid-season where you do feel good. Yeah, and the only way he does that if is is if he keeps playing, not I agree, you know, gets benched. Um the whole ethos of the 49ers this season has been this this season we're one game in, but like the off season, the whole plan, the whole plan <laughs> yeah. coming into the season was 
We're going to ride the Trey Lance roller coaster and the defense is going to have to be really good. And the skill guys in the running game is going to have to be really good. Trey Lance to me was about exactly what I expected. Same. I know there was, you know, we talked and like, I feel dumb about this right now, but um, we we talked about like Robert Griffin's first start in 2012 and how he like threw 320 yards and all that. And it looked amazing. I thought there was a chance that would happen. I think the rain pretty much negated all of that and certainly not having George Kittle um, played a part in that also. But like Trey Lance looked about exactly what I thought he would look like. The reason why the 49ers lost was because things didn't go to plan in terms of playing mistake-free football on defense. Um, and obviously you never want to turn the ball over. Right. So I, you know, like, especially in the red zone, like they drove all the way down there in the first series of the game to come away with no points. That's really problematic. And Debo Samuel, you know, has to avoid fumbling there. It's not like great analysis, but um, (laughs) fumbles are bad. Fumbles are bad. And, and I also think you kind of got to bake in like an interception a game with Trey Lance in a similar way to what you did with Jimmy Garoppolo because of the accuracy issues, because it's his first time starting like, I know he didn't turn the ball over a lot at North Dakota State, but if I'm the 49ers, I'm not expecting Trey Lance to have too many games where he doesn't throw a pick this year. Obviously, you want to clean that up next year, but like you kind of have to bake that into your expectations of the team. And if the defense is as good as you expect it to be, then you're probably going to be okay with that in most games. But the defense yeah. wasn't as good because they kept the Bears alive with dumb mistakes. Yeah. The the other the other thing I want to get to real quick. They were better on third down. We talked about that. Um even the defense is good on third down. 5 of 14 for for Chicago and two of those came via penalty. But I was they had three red zone trips. They converted one into a touchdown. The one was a Debo Samuel fumble. The other one was two runs in a sack. And the lack of creativity in the red zone on their second trip to me reeked of Shanahan going Chicago's probably not going to score twice. So happy with the field goal, happy to not turn it over and win this one, either 10, nothing, 10, seven or 10, three. And I think that he was just good with that. And that can't be the case. Like one of the things with Trey Lance on third down is obviously the creativity, but that has to be the case in the red zone as well. Like do something different. I'm that was there were a lot of people harping on on Shanahan and the play calling and the conservative play calling. And I get it a little bit because of the rain. But that that third that that red zone series was pretty disappointing to me. Yeah, the Bears had 26 yards on their first five possessions combined. Jesus. So, (laughs) man. One thing, one of my big takeaways, and this is going back even to, I think he went on KMBR on Friday, Kyle Shanahan, he was asked, you know, how do you, how do you beat Justin Fields? And he said something which I thought was just damning, right? He said, you have to keep him in the pocket and make him play quarterback. And (laughs) I think that illustrated why Kyle Shanahan was never in in the Justin Fields boat when it came to the 2021 draft, like, and the 49ers defense was doing really well early in the game. Mm -hmm. And I think Shanahan was like, all right, well, we're containing him now. 
and we just need to put points up. And I believe in our defense to get stops. And if we don't turn the ball over, then we should be fine, yep. which is why he was probably conservative in the red zone. But yeah, like in hindsight, you probably do want to be more aggressive there. And yeah. you probably want to give Trey Lance more behind this offensive line in particular. Like you want to give Trey Lance more than one opportunity to throw the ball. I agree. Because there is a chance if you're third, if, if it's third down in an obvious passing situation, there's a higher likelihood of allowing pressure, right? Because yeah. teams teams are going to overload the inside, right? Like, mm-hmm. and Aaron Banks isn't even a sure thing to win one a lot of one-on-one matchups in just pure pass blocking situations, right? Yeah. So as yeah. much as you do want to have the run game predicate everything you do offensively, you also don't want to set yourself up where you're in third and obvious passing situations where you're putting your offensive line in the worst position it could be in. Yeah. Um, our favorite cast member, Nick Wagner, who somehow makes an appearance on every podcast we do, whether he's, he's smart on the guy. pod or not. Very he's, smart guy. He's one of the smartest people I know. When he drops an article about the 49ers, it's like, I'm if I can't read it right then, it's a blind retweet every time. Sure. But I eventually, I eventually get around to reading it. He does a great job. But he had this stat. Um, the Bears did not blitz Trey Lance on any of his 34 dropbacks. Um, quarterbacks. Uh, Lance is the seventh quarterback in the last 15 seasons to drop back to pass 30 plus times and not face a blitz. Quarterbacks in this situations are one in six. Despite the, the Bears' lack of blitzes lance was pressured 12 times he was one for seven for negative two yards on those dropbacks like that's bad i said i didn't notice the o-line earlier but that stat tells a different story yeah and i do think like when the field's sloppy and when it's raining it's probably like pressure is probably amplified right because like second reaction stuff like if you don't have footing if the ball's wet like I don't know. Like, I, I do think there's absolutely something to that. And and how I, I do think that point exemplifies that the offensive line is probably not great and mm-hmm. that Trey Lance probably isn't going to be great in pressure situations or, or I guess getting pressured. But I'm taking it with a little bit of a grain of salt in week one in the rain. Like I do. I just. Yeah. And week one generally is weird. Right. Yeah, for sure. We How many weird week time. ones have we seen? Like I was watching the Packers Vikings game and they were like, yeah, remember when the Vi- when the when the Packers lost to the Saints like 30 to nothing week one last year? Yeah. And then the Packers I ended do up remember that being, you know, one of the top season. The Dude, Fox pregame did a whole thing with Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Andrews, and it was a PSA cut for ayahuasca. It was wild. <laughs> Absolutely bananas. Like not judging. If you want to do your your thing, like I'm not. It's not judging. It's just crazy that Fox Sports NFL had Aaron had Aaron Andrews like. So tell me about ayahuasca. What's up? Like what's the deal with that? And Aaron Rodgers is like it's this and that, and it's actually pretty awesome. But don't do it unless you're with an experienced medical practitioner. It's like oh my god. <laughs> I mean that's good journalism by Aaron. I I think you have to Aaron Andrews. I mean I I think that's. You have to ask that question, right? If you're getting a sit down with Aaron Rodgers, you have to ask that question. But I I would have expected them to shy away from the drug angle. Right. I know know people. I guess. I don't know. I know people who've done it and I don't want to say they swear by it, but they've 
had positive experiences with it. Sure. And they would say something similar, like, yeah, do it with, I forget the name, the name of some, whatever, professional. It's not, they're not professional Ooh. ayahuasca people, shaman. but they're shaman. There you go. Thank you, shaman. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, it is wild. I'm Just, not, I'm not endorsing it. I don't recommend it. Blue Wire and Candlestick Chronicles do not endorse psychedelic drugs. No, but it, you know. <laughs> Aside from Aaron Rodgers, there are other, uh, there are other people I know of that have done it and have good things to say about it. But sure, <laughs> um, what were we talking about? Oh, just how Week One's weird. Yeah, like Week One's weird. I'll always point to 2015 and 2016 Week Ones. I think, yeah, and I think with I think Jim Tom Sewell and Chip Kelly. Yeah, just, right. Yeah, the Niners go kick ass Week One, and then and then we're not very good the rest of the way. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I think that we see a better version of the Niners offense next week in in drier conditions at Levi Stadium. If you know that we've we've kind of talked about this, how it's going to be a a process with the offense, and if it looks bad against Seattle and they score ten points again, there will be some I think different takeaways. But was Lance? good enough for for the 49ers to win on Sunday. I I think so, but it was really clear once they got down that he wasn't going to probably bring them back. Yeah. And yeah. he has to he has to be better, but that's why he's playing. Is because the 49ers think that he will get better by playing. And man, the Bears offense is really like Justin Fields scrambling and maybe the occasional Herbert run, and that's kind of it. Yeah, man. It's like Kyle Shanahan isn't wrong when he says you have to, to, in order to beat him, you have to make him play quarterback because uh-huh. the Bears did not look particularly difficult to defend when Justin Fields was contained inside the pocket. The touchdown to Dante Pettis is the most Kyler Murray touchdown pass of all time. <laughs> Dante Pettis. He even did his little like cat. Paul, good like, for him, man. In, in the touchdown Dante. celebration, yeah. No, I, I like. I enjoyed all the interactions I had with Dante. They weren't, there weren't a ton of them, but he's a nice guy. Um, but yeah, it was that 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 was a wild subplot. I I didn't even think there would be a chance that Dante Pettis would like be on the field. A whole <laughs> lot, you know, yeah. But yeah, one catch, fifty-one yards is a game changer. Fifty-one yard touchdown, man. It felt stuff. it felt like it was going to get away from them after that touchdown, and then they came out. I think they got one first down and punted. Yeah, like oh man. So I pitched to you an idea for the pod, and maybe this can be a, a bit going forward, or maybe something that we do like after losses or after Trey doesn't play well. I think we but do it, it after every game. Every game, okay. It's the uh, should they put Jimmy in O meter? So on a scale of one to ten, ten being they have to put Jimmy in right now. Mm-hmm. Where are you at on the should they put Jimmy in O-meter? Uh, a, a, a one. I'm still at a one. Yeah, I'm at a zero. You said one to ten. I did say one to ten. I'm an idiot. I'm, I'm at a one. one also. It's a one. It's a one. Now, again, if it if the offense looks like it looked next week, I'll probably bump it up a little bit. But right now, it's it, I'm. he played about how I expected he would play. Yeah, you've got to build his confidence. You got to let yeah. him learn on the job. Um, there was a lot of good. Like it looked a lot better than it did last year. Yep. 
we say that like it looked a lot better than it did last year particularly in the first half with lance yeah yes he got better from week 17 last year to week one yeah absolutely and so i think it's pretty clear you can do more with him in the offense now i think the running game is going to continue to evolve but they do need to i mean i think the success of their season aside from just all the obvious stuff they have to figure out how to run the ball if they don't have Elijah Mitchell, and it can't just yep. be Trey Lance and Debo Samuel. Yeah, I completely agree. So whether that's Ty Davis Price, whether that's Jordan Mason, like they have to, they have to have a counterpunch when they don't have Elijah Mitchell because, like Jeff Wilson's fine, and maybe it was a product of the field being sloppy, but I never felt like Jeff Wilson had a lot of juice today. No. Like put your third round running back in. Well, he was inactive, so he couldn't. Well, no, I, I meant have Mac. <laughs> but Jordan Mason, like, I don't know. If Jordan Mason's in in uniform, you have to feel comfortable enough to be like, all right, well, Jeff Wilson's averaging two yards a carry. Like, let's let's give this guy a little bit of burn. So anyway, yeah, I, I think that. I, don't know. I think we'll see a better version of the 49ers offense against the Seahawks. And if we don't, I, the discussion's a lot different. Yeah. After week and, two. And we'll record again early this week after we uh, spend some time in the lab breaking breaking down the film. Grinding the all 22. Yeah. Putting that work in. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Well, and then there will be a uh, Elijah Mitchell update, presumably coming on Monday. So yeah. There will be a lot to talk about this week. And of course, this week is the Candlestick Chronicles Cooperage event, live event. Can't wait. Friday, September 16th, 8 p.m.-ish. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So we're going to keep plugging that. Um, hopefully this loss doesn't dampen the spirits of... No, nah, I don't think it come. It's a Seahawks home opener. Yeah, it's a Seahawks home opener. If you're well, upset, like, what better thing to do us. when you're upset? Yeah, come drink with us. Yeah, you know, that's awesome. a perfectly healthy thing to do when you're upset. Just go drink. Well, I mean, either that or <laughs> just what do you do? Drop ayahuasca? You smoke ayahuasca? How do you consume ayahuasca? I think ayahuasca? you take it. You take ayahuasca. I think so. I'm not positive on this. I have no idea. Yeah. Somebody into psychedelic drugs. I've heard stories, but I'm not going to get into specifics. No, let's I'm not. not a shaman. Let's get out of here. We're let's not get out of here. Um, subscribe, rate, and review. Come to Cooperage in Santa Rosa. Um, I believe the beer is dropping this week. Can't so wait. We will we will announce that when it does, and uh, we will talk to you guys soon. Bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that seventy five percent of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.